0: Let us talk together now, very simply as men. Okay. Well, let's start with this. Mark, you were highly recommended. Thank you. I asked for a guest to be on the podcast and I don't know who it was. I'm going to find out who it was. But okay. I think it might've been more than one person, but one of them gave like a glowing review of Mark oh. is a man of faith. He's awesome. He's doing really cool stuff. He'd be perfect for the podcast. I'd love to hear from oh, him.
1: That's nice to hear. Thank
0: you. Yeah. So whoever that was, thank you. Mark's here because of your manifesting. So I'm excited to talk to you. You are an accomplished photographer And I was blown away by the caliber of your clients. Thank you. Yeah, this is, you've had a road, man. I know that there's, it's not easy to get to that spot. Or maybe it was, am I wrong?
1: That's one of the things, every once in a while, I'll do little lectures to universities, which sounds more Mm -hmm. elaborate than it is. It's really like giving a pep talk to about 20 people, right? Yeah. But I always say, if you're going to do this, especially when you're a faithful member of the church, if you're going to do it, you have to have a belief in yourself that's going to be seem really illogical to a lot of people because, you know, they want you to fulfill your role. And I think all of those things, fulfill your role as a provider and do something that's a little bit more, I don't want to say traditional, but it's more solid. It's more, the return is more reliable.
0: The risk, it's just risk, right? Yes. Risk risk adverse. And I think
1: those people come from a place, a good place. They want, but... Well, we
0: need accountants, right?
1: Yes. And respect to all those people that have those skills. Yes. It's amazing. my accountant is a is my cousin, and he's a genius, and thank heavens! But my brain does not work that way. But my anyway, my degree I went to BYU, so yeah. I grew up in Northern California, okay. and went to BYU. Have a degree in English, okay, which is super useful. But I was actually that's, using, that's what they you know, say. Is it true? It's just, <laughs> people. I'll say yeah. You everybody has to develop the ability to communicate effectively, but that's about it. If you want me to give you a glowing review of Pride and Prejudice, I'm your man. That is not useful in terms of earning money. Anyway, but I was writing for a magazine. I was working for a law firm. My dad's an attorney and, but it's, it just was not my skill set. And I started to shoot the stories I was writing for this magazine. And after about a year of that, I was like, oh man, I, I just want to do that. And so back.
0: So you'd finish college. I'd finish college. You were, you were
1: out in the workforce. I was in the workforce in Southern California. Okay. And and I, that's when you started shooting. I, you know, it's always a serious hobby. It was a yeah. serious hobby. Okay. And, but I wasn't considering it a career. I actually went to BYU on a theater, an acting scholarship. You got a scholarship it? for it? Yeah, they paid my tuition. But after a year of that, I was like, these people are weird. I'm out of here. Yeah. That's not true, <laughs> but that's true. It just wasn't my thing.
0: Yeah,
1: I switched to music. I was in bands. And, and I just had a lot of interests and not a lot of... Nothing was really like... I, I wanted to be able to earn a living. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to maintain my membership in the church. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I want to be passionate about it. I want to be interested in it. And a lot of the skills that I have... I I couldn't tick one of those boxes. And when I landed on photography, I thought, aha, I think I'm pretty good at it. I think I can earn a living at it and I can control the clients. I wanted to become a photographer and I thought I could do it. And back when I was, they used to have a thing called 411 where you'd call in a landline, 411.
0: For information, right? Yes.
1: Information, (laughs) please. And so I got the information of this guy named Mark Seliger, who was a very famous photographer. He was a uh, chief photographer, Rolling Stone magazine, kind of a hero. I called him up and I said, I want to do an internship. And they said, so I talked my way into the internship. Um,
0: Did you solidify that on that phone call? No. Okay.
1: Basically, I didn't want to get into this. It's a long story, but I said, who's in charge of internships? You know, so I said, I'd like to apply. Okay. What school did you go to? BYU. What's that? Oh, that's a private university in Utah. Okay. So you have a degree in photography? No, I have a degree in English. Who is this? You know. I was like, listen, I'm already working as a photographer. Can I show you my work? And so I mailed her a couple of, and at that point, I'd, I was published in that magazine. But my work wasn't that evolved. It was more, it was student work. So she like, I can't approve you over the phone. I got to meet you. Typically, we give these internships to people that are in school. And I said, I'll just fly out and meet you. And at that point, I had no money. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take this trip to New York. So I flew out, talked to her. And I kept calling her back after the visit. And finally, I just said, just say yes, and I'll stop bugging you. And she's like, excuse me? I was like, look. <laughs> Did you, you really say that? Yeah. I was like, you what? met me. I'm not a moron. I'd be a, I wouldn't be would be a liability. I'd be an asset. Just say yes, and we can stop yeah. this charade. I can stop talking. And she's like, all right, fine. So it was a summer internship. So I moved to New York for the summer. And it was an office internship. It wasn't like a shooting internship. By the end of the summer I was just coming in on days that they were shooting and after that I was like okay this is it for me I quit my job at the magazine all that stuff stayed in New York for 4 years and after that I thought if I stay another year I'm going to have to stay here and I'm for for my career it would be it would be too difficult to uproot everything so I decided to go and get a master's in photography I was Sorry. always self-conscious about my technical skill because I didn't have any schooling and no education so I went to get a master's degree at the Academy of Art in San Francisco moved back to, San, to the San Francisco Bay Area. But after a semester of that, I was like, man, I have to go into $50,000 in debt in this. I'm already in debt from New York. Mm-hmm. This is a bad idea. And one of my professors actually asked, I was shooting a band called Weezer. And he said, hey, can I assist you on that? And I was like, this is my professor. I was like, maybe I'm okay. Maybe I should just move to Southern California. Some of my clients that were bi-coastal stuck with me. And wait, we're just on California. can we back up? What's that?
0: How are you shooting Weezer at this time?
1: Oh, <laughs> <did that> happen? <laughs> How I was in being... New York for four years. So I did okay. that internship and I stayed in New York and my big break as it were, was for America online. remember that AOL? Oh yeah.
0: The discs. Yes. CDs. So the um,
1: AOL was bought by, I think.
0: Time Warner? Something no. like that. Their yeah, parent company is, yeah,
1: sure. but they were huge at the time. And I got I had a connection and they brought me in to shoot an unknown raptor named Fifty Cent. What? It was his first record. And he was all energy and swagger and he came in and he's like, What do you think of Fifty Cent? I was like, I don't know I've never I don't even <laughs> I, didn't, I knew it was him, but I was like, I haven't heard any of your music. Your music hasn't been out. I don't know. But anyway, he took off his shirt, showed me all his bullet holes because he's been shot a couple of times. And, what? Yeah, it was wild. And then they liked that. And so I just kept shooting for AOL and then Def Jam. I would shoot a lot of those hip hop artists and then Def Jam liked that work. and they started hiring me. And so when I was in New York, yeah, I got to shoot Alicia Keys and Jay-Z and Sugar Ray and all these like nineties bands. And that was this kind of the genesis of a real portfolio. like a and so, Just
0: one of those names is a real portfolio. Yeah. Oh my well, gosh. Did you like any of these people? Did Some you, did people you enjoy were her? amazing. Yeah,
1: were amazing. Who'd you like? Michelle Branch, remember her? She was is, the nicest. Is she, is she making
0: the way downtown song.
1: No, that's that's no. Vanessa Carlton. Oh.
0: same era. Same both same vibe. lovely brunettes. Sorry, sorry Michelle. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I know you listen to this podcast. No, but she
1: had a few <laughs> a few a few big hit records. Then she got married, and and she's still making music. But she, you know, she's not. She mm-hmm. married the the drummer for the Black Keys actually. But anyway, okay. She was lovely, and most of those people were... Alicia Keys was uh, uh, lovely. She's so talented. She was amazing. One of my he- not heroes, but one of the guys I always loved when I was a kid was Iggy Pop. Yeah. So I shot him when he did the reunion with the Stooges, which was like a big deal, and he, he was wilder than... He was wild. But he you, was, it was ha, fun. What though.
0: do you credit this to? Your like tenacity to just force your way into this internship? Well, like What do is- what I credit to? I don't know. I think...
1: My mom was a a broadcast journalist. So she was a, and my grandfather, she grew up here. My dad grew up in Berkeley, but she grew up here. And my grandfather was well-connected and got her the interview for Channel 4 in San Francisco. So she got, you could call it nepotism or I don't know what you want to call that, but you can get opportunities, but you have to keep them. If she didn't do well, she would have been fired. So I got the opportunity, but I worked hard to make sure that I kept them. And a lot of times... The production budget was smaller than what I would spend to do the shoot Mm -hmm. because I wanted to impress these people and Mm -hmm. I wanted to get more work. And so I remember I was shooting Jay-Z and he, Jay-Z, I didn't know much about his history, but I knew that he didn't take a lot of money. He he grew it himself. Mm -hmm. And so I got this replica of Edison's light bulb with the filaments and all that stuff. And I, we were at his studio. He's recording the Black Album. Mm-hmm. And wow. I hung it from his pool. He had a pool table in this uh-huh. studio. And I hung it with a single bulb. And I explained to him, I was like, yeah, you're going to hold it. And it's going to float. And I'm going to switch it in post. It's going to look like your energy is illuminating this light bulb. And it's a metaphor for an idea. But also, that, and I explained this huge thing. He didn't care. He's like, Jeez. all right, just take the photo. Be quiet. <laughs> I was like, oh, OK. So it's fine. I took the photo. And then I pulled the light bulb that I had attached with gaff tape to the ceiling Uh and it had just been painted. So all of that paint came off the ceiling.
0: And this is his studio,
1: his studio mortified. I just looked at the studio manager and I was like, Hey, I don't know what to say. She just started laughing. She's like, it's okay. We just painted it. I should have told you. I was like, Oh, totally mortified. Getting the light bulb rent. I didn't have any lights, renting lights, renting all the stuff. I spent more money on that one shoot than they actually paid me. But the results were they kept coming back, so that was the plan. Maybe so. I guess tenacity or just effort.
0: Yeah, dude, that's fascinating. Who? What's your most widely viewed or most popular image? Do you think? I mean, I think the ones that have
1: been licensed the most for products and stuff are my Snoop images. Snoop Dogg. Um, mm-hmm.
0: How's he in person?
1: He's super smart. He's really smart. He's really charming. Yeah. And at this point, he's more of a brand ambassador than he is a musician, but he's a cultural phenomenon. You know? He really is. And he's just smart. And he doesn't... I've shot him almost a dozen times. He doesn't even remember me. And his hand was like, I remember this was Mark he shot. I'm like, hey, what's up, nephew? How you doing? I'm like, how's it going? Good to see you again. He has <laughs> he care. no idea. That's the one thing that people... You're just a... You're like a grocery list item. Talk to a magazine. Talk to your manager. Mm-hmm. Do a photo shoot. Go home. There's no... But. There's a few people, maybe 10% of the people that I've shot that I've come really close with and friends and we keep in touch and we mm. do stuff other than just take photos. But other than that, it's like a lot of the people that are on my portfolio wouldn't really know who I am. Interesting.
0: You know? What's your <laughs> bread and butter, if your ideal shoot? What type of?
1: I think the ideal shoot.
0: I don't know, people ask
1: me, what is your? Really, I, I guess I'm a portrait photographer specializing in branding. So really, I take personalities of portraits for their brand, whether it be an album cover or a product association or something like that. But a shoot I did with a guy named Laird Hamilton, who's a big wave surfer, very famous in his world. I just went to his house in Malibu, brought an assistant, and we just spent two hours taking photos in his pool. And that's this they just leave me alone. There's no art directors. I just say, okay, I'll provide exactly what you need. And he was obviously a total pro. Yeah. And we just talk surfing and take photos and then we're done. That's ideal.
0: That's cool. Do you feel like your art, do you feel like the final product is better without an art director? Like you feel confident enough in your skills to get what needs to be done? Or do you like collaborating with people?
1: I, the way that I view myself, if somebody's paying me, they get a say. Mm -hmm. I don't, the diva photographer thing, I find that's just unappealing. Whenever I'm on a shoot, I like collaborative, like uplifting enthusiasm. I don't like... Yelling, and I find that to be off-putting. So, it's it is hard sometimes if somebody's micromanaging and helicoptering right behind you and wants to Mm -hmm. point out everything. And and I, if somebody says, "Hey, we got this thing, I can do it, no sweat," like just let me do it. Mm -hmm. But if they want to be there, I'm not gonna make you can't be. They pay me. I view myself as a hired gun. That's what. And if somebody's paying me to do something, of course they get their say. They get to do what they want. And half the time, the stuff that they choose, I don't actually like. In fact, I'll do when I do a shoot. I'll do stuff for myself too. I'll be like, Hey, we're going to do this one little quick little shoot that I know is cool yeah. for me. Yeah. And so I can at least have that. And so a lot of the, that's what's happened with a lot. Cascade, this musician oh, yeah. producer, his, his, he just released two records: a Christmas record and a one of his brands called Redo, which is like a. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah,
0: I've, I've been to studio. I know him. Oh, you know don't. I know Finn really well too. Oh, you do. And, and Nate Pfeiffer, yeah. So, oh, okay, um, yeah. So They're, his
1: latest Redo record, I shot yeah. the cover for that. That was a photo which is like cool. that I took at his studio. I said, "Hey, this will be a cool photo." And we've known each other so long. it's like, really "Cool." And so when they were asking for Redo for the cover, then I sent all the stuff. And then I just sent that one. I said, what about this one? And they said, okay. oh, we'll use that one. That's the one. So that's with most of the people that are personalities, I'll try to do something for myself that I think is cool. And sometimes it ends up being what they use, sometimes not. You know?
0: That's cool. Being a creative and hearing yeah. your philosophy, I would be encouraged to work with you with what you're saying. That sounds fun.
1: And yeah, and the other thing of too about that is, a lot of these have to have a product in the shot. Like mm-hmm. we're shooting, so hired by a product. Yeah, and so I'm not going to put on my website somebody like <laughs> a can or whatever. And, and I'll make sure that I get some stuff that I find creatively inspiring.
0: Yeah, you have an insane career. Many people would be like, "This is awesome." You're working with. Well, I'm glad, glad it to- looks that look, way. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. It looks really cool. You're working with all these celebrities, yeah. <laughs> and you're also a man of faith, and you're single. And how old are you? I'm 50. Fifty. Yeah. So you're a Christian. I am. And you're fifty. How do you how does your life I'm sure the world's been offered to you if you're if this is the crowd that you're hanging with? Yeah. I'm assuming, yeah. I don't know. But no, it's been I'm fascinated to know how your life goes in this world. Yeah.
1: I think in every line of work there's opportunities to misbehave. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Living in New York, some of the financial guys are like that guy is wild.
0: Like Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. that stuff. I'm just saying, yeah.
1: like, holy cow. But and a lot of things have been offered me that are not consistent with my ethos. You know? yeah,
0: I guess my question is this why are you why do you believe why are you a Christian?
1: Oh why am I a Christian I'm trying to think of the one thing that is that impresses me about I would say the savior is how universal he is to everyone, billions of people, but how personal it can be oh, to man. me yes like that just is like a paradox that's incomprehensible, but it's real. I don't know. It's real. I think that also traveling, I I travel quite a bit for work and how other people live. When I say other people, are just not different cultures, different economic standings. Mm -hmm. The socioeconomics of the world are really disparate, really a huge spectrum. And it just fills me with a sense of gratitude for what I have. Parents that love me, Mm -hmm. siblings, family, living in the United States, I can actually live doing a job that, for the most part, I really love, and that to me just fills me with a, a gratitude. And you think to yourself, well, "Where is that? Why do I feel that way? You know, what? Why does that fill me with light?" And it, that same feeling happens when you read the scriptures. Same feeling happens when you're involved or behaving in ways that are consistent with a Christ-like life.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, that's awesome. A lot of like our culture is very enamored with celebrity yeah, culture. Yeah, yeah. They
1: are our royal family. They, right? Yeah, they are, aren't <laughs> they? Dude, that, that's
0: right. Like when the queen died, it's like, she was awesome, but I didn't watch the funeral. I don't watch royal. Yeah. Like, I don't care about that. Yeah. But we all know about uh, Taylor Swift sure. and Travis Kelsey. Yeah. and, Cult's and of personality. And th- yeah. Exactly. And that world seems so out of reach for most people, but it's so idolized. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering your perspective on this of seeing that mm-hmm. and... And what's the dichotomies of the life based in Christ and and not that we're demonizing that life at all. I'm just saying because it's such an unknown, it's just this thing that we worship. Like maybe you can break that down.
1: Yeah. I think celebrity culture in general is whether it's a musician or an athlete or I'm just thinking of people that I've shot is there, they excel at a skill that a lot of people want to do. And resonates within us. Mm -hmm. If you're an athlete and you see somebody like Michael Jordan or whoever perform, you're just like, wow, I just really want to do that. That's just so impressive to me. And it's the same thing with musicians, right? I was just in New York, flew out to shoot a band and I was just watching this. These guys are so great. Like I wish. And so I think if it resonates in us, like we want to be that Mm -hmm. way and we, we put them up on these pedestals and we're just like, oh my gosh. But it's a cliche that they're just like us. They just have the skill that our society really values. Mm-hmm. And in in this time in the, the, the history of me, of humankind, right? Sure. Yeah. If you were a great basketball player in medieval times, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, I mean, even like in biblical times, if you had a skill that we revere now, it, it wouldn't matter. A lot of those things are time and place and cultural, but how, so the question is, how do I balance my life?
0: No, no. I was just saying, I was just curious, like being around that, what's what are some interesting thoughts to demystify oh. the cultural stat or the celebrity status with, and then how do you, and then living the gospel? I'm just saying- I've like, been I mean, experiences
1: where I've been offered a lot of things. Yeah. Whether it's situations, substances, yeah. I've been offered everything. And a lot of times people will be like, why are you not- I was shooting a rapper, a guy named T.I., and I'd become, in New York, a lot of times, what a lot of artists do is, is they'll stack their media responsibilities, right? So if they have a new record come out, they'll do, like, interviews, they'll do performances, they'll do shoots, and they'll stack them on media days for like two or three days in a row. And so what happens is, especially in a city like New York, is you start to get to know all the people that work in these media outlets, whether it's PR firm or magazines or whatever. So I became friends with this girl, and we'd done a few shoots together and she was with this magazine called double XL, which is an old hip hop magazine. And she's what's your deal? And I was like, what do you mean? She's I've seen you at these shoots. I was like, yeah, she's and you don't the women and the, all the drugs you don't partake. I'm like, no. She's like, what are you religious? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I guess you could call it that. She's so you don't do that stuff. I was like, no. And so when we get into it, she started to like, almost She's like, wait hold up she got really loud i was like let's go to the other room yeah. talk about <laughs> everyone get
0: over here look at this yeah.
1: check yeah. this dude out and so, so i'm like oh geez here we go again and this happens a lot in my world where they notice your behavior is not consistent with what's going on mm-hmm. and so either they just dismiss it or they're curious or they think you're weird which is fine look at and this is a very dumb not dumb but this is not a a, 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 a comparison that's consistent with reality but this is the nature of people who choose to live a christian lifestyle you get ridiculed a lot you get made fun of or you're seen as a weird outsider and but that's fine it doesn't bother me you know what i mean yeah this has been my life forever yeah and so you just explain what you can explain and if they get it great if they don't you just try to be the best human you can be and move forward.
0: Yeah. So did you take? Did you guys talk about it? And was she like? Oh yeah. Oh did yeah. Did what was the response?
1: She just thought I was. She. It didn't change our friendship any. Yeah. But she just thought she's just man. Like she was. She was just shocked. <laughs> really. She's. You have all this opportunity, and you just don't take it. And I. And it just never occurred to me that would be something that was really. Unique. I'm just like, yeah, but other people have other opportunities. They don't take them. But I want to tell you a little bit about how yeah, it please. relates yeah. to my faith.
0: Yeah, but... yeah. That's why you're here. Oh, Okay.
1: The way that I see, there's a lot of academic conversations about the savior, a lot of academic conversations about the Bible and what's real, what's not, what's a metaphor, what's not. All I know is that when you behave in a way that's consistent with what is right, and that is spelled out in the scriptures, You start to feel the same way and you can recognize other people. And hopefully that's the light of Christ resonating. And so that's how I see it. And if I behave in a way that's not consistent with my, how the standard in which I want to live, that starts to go away. You start to get confused. You start to not feel good. My life in some ways is extraordinary, but I also have a lot of flying and the odd hours that can really wear on you physically Mm -hmm. and and I know we talk about mental health and anxiety and those things are real for sure and the conversations around emotional health and being emotional intelligent are all real I believe Mm -hmm. that but at the same time the remedy for me is a scripture-based life that's what helps me the most
0: yeah Yeah. what are your favorite scriptures I'll tell you what
1: one of my favorite passages is in Matthew 14 there's a lot of that's it's packed with stuff but the one thing that i talk about is when he feeds the the too then he goes off and he's walking on the water and everybody talks about oh there's so many there's so many great lessons in there about it's the last watch in the night they've been there forever they're terrified he comes walking out and they're like we don't know who this is he calls out invites him and he immediately goes out and so this is the invitation to everyone. Come unto me. Like, I'm not going to, you got to come out into the storm. And Peter was walking on the water. Then he starts to sink when he sees the wind boisterous. In other words, when he takes his focus off the Savior and he starts to see the wind. That's when he starts to sink. And then he saved me and immediately reaches forth his hand. But he has to call out. In other words, he makes it a proactive exercise that we need to involve mm-hmm. ourselves in order to save ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a message that's in all the scriptures is that, He's not going to take away our afflictions. He's going to empower us so we can do it Mm -hmm. through him. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the thing that, that is really resonates with me about that story is eventually Peter gets the savior and walks back to the boat. He's still out there. The storm is still going. The storm doesn't stop until he gets to the boat. So he's away from the safety of the boat. He's away from his friends. He's away from the apostles and he's in a storm. But it doesn't matter because he's with the Savior. That's how I see some of the circumstances I find myself.
0: Man, I mean, if internalizing that, I can see how that would be such such a great strength through so much trial. Yeah, it's beautiful.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's just been like a... Because in my faith... I'm seen as a little bit of strange. I'm not married. I mean, in my, our, my in our, career is different.
0: And in our culture, we value the family. Like how, yes. many, how many kids yeah. do you have? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. You- and in, in my faith, <laughs> family's valued and it's built to sustain those families. And so I'm in a, people call it a marginalized category, but I don't see it that way at all. I don't, the faith that I belong to is not responsible for how my relationship is with the Savior. I am responsible for that. That's my job. Excuse me. That's my job. So that's how I see it. you can be what you can, I can be in really gnarly places, but if I'm with a savior, I'm, I'll be fine.
0: Yeah. I love that so much. I want to give you the final word, word, the final word, whatever you want to say, but this is where I, let the guests just talk to their final message, what they would want to hmm. leave with. In my, Keep in mind, it's interesting now, more women listen to the podcast than men, hmm. which is fascinating. But the goal of the podcast is to speak to men who are struggling, help them feel less alone in their yeah. struggles. Yeah, yeah. So you're in a u- unique position. Mm-hmm. Maybe speak to someone like yourself. I don't know. Whatever... whatever just f- give up, man. Give up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you scene. T- you tried. <laughs> it didn't work, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, there it is. Um, and you can huh. take you can take a sec to think about it yeah. too. but I, I these are now my favorite segments. Is like the last. What's the, my the, the final word that you would want to leave on a podcast called the Men Who Love God? What does Mark Owens want to say?
1: I, w- I think what I'd like to say. Hold on, let me let me yeah. articulate this in my mind.
0: Yeah, um, go for it.
1: I, I think right now society evolved to a point where almost everybody's literate. Like we have a, an unbelievable level of comfort. We have an unbelievable access to anything, information, education. Now I, I'm speaking from a privileged point of view. There's a mm-hmm. lot of people that don't have that.
0: But I think you know? more people in the world now have access to it than ever than before. Ever
1: before. This is, That's sure. my point. Okay. Thank you. Yes. And so what happens is when you become more educated, you start to doubt things of faith and... I can't, I can't see that. that, There's no historical evidence of that. There's no, how how is that real? And I understand that. I guess you could say, what is that? The scientific method or or, or academic reasoning or however you want to articulate that. But it takes courage to say, I don't know. I don't know. But that doesn't mean it's wrong. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It just means I don't know. I don't know how a dentist fixes my teeth. I don't know what he's doing in there. Like he gets in there and I don't know how the amalgam attaches to my dentin. And I don't know yeah. what's going on in there. Sure. <laughs> I just know that I go to the dentist and it fixes my tooth. I, don't, I hate the dentist too. I don't mm. like the dentist, but I go because I know I'll feel better mm. when I go to the dentist. Yeah. And I see that's maybe that's a terrible example. But what the point I'm trying to make is just because we don't understand doesn't mean that we can't be people of faith. I think that's part of the reason, part of the journey was not understanding. There's so much stuff going on right now in the world, wars and disease. and But I think the message from the time, bef- you know, from the Savior has always been, be of good cheer. What's the actual, is it be calm and know that I am God? Be still and know that I am God. Yeah. And for all the stuff that we don't know, there are answers that can come through study of the scriptures. That's the way I see it.
0: It's a different language too, though, right? It's, a, it's more a language. To me, it's like a language of the soul instead of yeah. intellectual. You
1: say soul, and that's an interesting word to choose because to me, the soul is the combination of the body and the, and, and, and the spirit. And we're told in the scriptures that he'll speak to us in our heart, and our mind, mm-hmm. those two things. Yeah. People are really right now are driven by feeling. Oh, I don't feel good, so I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't feel good going to the gym. But I got to do that. Like I said, I don't feel good going to the dentist, but I got... And so it's not just about feeling. It's about academic and emotional and having the confidence of those two things agree and then moving forward. I'm not going to take away your trials. I'm not going to take away your pain. I will empower you if you have faith and if you do the work. If you do the work, I will empower you and you can deliver yourself. And that's a totally different concept because it's sharing the power of the savior. It's not a domineering thing. It's mm-hmm. not like master servant. It's no, let me be your teacher. It's joining can, with him. Yes, yeah,
0: like yeah. we're following him. Yes. Literally, he invites us to follow him all the mm-hmm. time in the mm-hmm. New Testament.
1: But that idea of self-empowerment through effort on your own is, is amazing to me. If you do the work, you can figure it out. A lot of my friends have had crises of faith and I talk to them. They're awesome, but they're doing different types of work. They're not doing the work. That's not easy. It's not, nobody's perfect, obviously. Um, and it's not easy. And I have my own set of troubles and whatnot. But like I say, traveling and stuff and seeing other people, you yeah. realize, man, I really am blessed. Stop complaining. Yeah. Don't worry about yourself. Yeah.
0: That's good. That's a beautiful thought. <laughs> Dude, thank you so much. This has been rad. And I want to talk about some more. I want to talk about Weezer after we end yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on. Whatever you want, dude. Yeah, thanks, brother. For thank you. If you like this episode, I'd be so grateful if you wrote a review and shared this episode with a friend. And if you're looking for more ways to include God throughout your day, check out some of my recent music I created in partnership with Skylight these tracks are designed to bring peace, calm and healing I'm going to play one of my tracks right now and you can also listen to more from the link in the show notes be grateful for whatever your experience of this moment is. And if you cannot be grateful, at least allow it to be because it already is, is, is.